everybody welcome to the archie sonic digest the only show where you can find the eventual degradation of two men's sanity as a direct result of sonic the hedgehog but not anymore we've moved past it though of course i'm your host speed aaron co-host how you doing buddy hello 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 i am uh i'm well uh it's been a it's been a pretty good week for me uh, i'm officially a uh Celestial Anji in Strive, uh, buff him, Arxis, uh, I'm begging you, because uh, if you don't next patch, I might cry. <laughs> you just um, gotta make up for it in raw skill and aggression. Yeah, bro, let me just, uh, let me just walk up to Leo as he, uh, does everything my character does, but better. <laughs> so, to fully get in, to fully integrate, let's say, we need to set the stage, Okay. The first comic we're talking about came out in March 2006. What other things were going on in the world at that time? Well, Ice Age the Meltdown just released in theaters. The first woman president to be elected in Chile was inaugurated. And also, uh, Jack Dorsey, also known as the founder of Twitter, sends the first ever tweet. Quote, just setting up my Twitter. Twitter being spelled T-W-T-T-R. Wow. And... With that, with Twitter being introduced as the next national tragedy America has to deal with, America, <laughs> America has gone through another national tragedy, which is, of course, the Ken Penders run of the Archie Sonic comics. <laughs> A national tragedy for many, many years, but it's over. It's over. It ended. It ends. It's it's done. Ken Penders There's... has left the stage. He's left the room, but. With the with the hole needing to be filled, we have someone new coming in, a fresh face to the comic book industry, a man by the name of Ian Flynn, getting the job right out of college at the age of 23. Ian Flynn's um, transformation and glow up of this comic is nothing short of incredible. We have mentioned it many times, we have spoken about it many times, but we are here, and it is time to finally start to talk about it. So here's the thing. To get like an idea of who Ian Flynn is, he is a longtime Sonic fan. I mean like basically since he was a kid playing Sonic 1 on the Genesis and naturally a big fan of the Archie Sonic comics. And he even made a Sonic fan comic called Other M. And before you ask, this this happened before Metroid Other M released. Just getting that out there. That's that's a very cursed video game. Uh, maybe you'll get to hear it in the uh, yeah, some thoughts on it when a uh, Metroid Dread drops in the uh, pre-show. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/SonicSpeed. Patreon.com/slash/SonicSpeed. Five dollars a month. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but if and, I may, and, uh, one last thing. Well, yes, two last things on. before. So Ian was known about by the uh, Archie editorial team because he regularly mailed in ideas and unsolicited concepts years before Ken Penders quit. And in fact, 
There was one letter that he wrote in that was published in issue 103 where he basically gave, like, I'm just going to put it, like, he gave some harsh criticism towards issue 100s in the art department and was published under the name Ian Pato when he was 19. And, uh, and, uh, wouldn't you know it, I happen to have a screenshot of that right here. Uh, let's see it, uh, if we could. So, you know, uh, I, I would like to read this one out. Um, well, it's a very long letter, so I was just thinking we could uh, give, like, the best of. I did skim it a little bit. Let me, I haven't taken a look, so let me, uh, let me, let me take a look-see here. <laughs> Rotor's head is just plain wrong. That's a great quote. Ian Flynn does a little bit of a breakdown on uh, the story and the art overall in issue 100. For example, you know... He sees the cover, Freedom Fighters striking a pose. Not as flashy as number 25 or 50s, but it was, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, he says, Ron Liv does a pretty decent job this time around. Quote, the downright creepy end of Nate Morgan on page 17 are all excellent bits. Uh, what else? Da, 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 da. Rotor's head is plain wrong. But all things considered, Mr. Lim got the job done. <laughs> As someone who was critical of Ron Lim in the past, that's high praise. Okay, yeah. As for the story, I must be honest. I was fairly dreading 100. Boy, was I happily surprised. I found myself getting excited as the story unfolded. I wanted to know what was going to happen to whom, and I was totally taken off guard when fa- Sally flashed Kodos. The dialogue tripped a little here and there, but all in all, it took me back to the glory days. This issue was a far cry better than recent months. Yeesh. <laughs> oh, and even better. Do you are you guys want to know what Ian Flynn thought of Ken Penders? Because here we go. All right, all right, all right. Let me let me handle this. <clears throat> to be honest, I haven't been the biggest fan when it comes to furry art, but he can draw humans far better than I. So I have no room to talk. <laughs> Considering how he was first drawn, and this is amazing because. Oh my god. Mecha Dimitri is on model, which is not something you hear often from this fucking comic. (laughs) And with enough insane detail to satisfy me, the only qualms I really have are green knuckles, bony knees, Tobor's eyes on page 8, and Commissar's proportions on page 3. This man was going in. He said, hey, here are the issues that I'm finding with the art right now. Uh, it's these specific areas, you can work on them a little here and there, you know. Even back in the day, this man was committed. He saw it in his mind's eye, and he was like, ah! I mean, truth be told, I'm sure that's many people's thoughts on the comics at this point in time. And also, there's one final paragraph here that I actually just read myself here. The only thing that really bugged me was Green Knuckles and Julie Sue's hug on page 5. They're on the bridge of the enemy craft. Commissar has already made it quite clear she has an itchy trigger finger and has her sights set on her half-sister. Mecha Dimitri is obviously using the uh, XDLer to play Green Knuckles like a harp, and yet they're allowed to hug and exchange turns of endearment. I just can't see it that way. Then again, with Mecha Dimitri (laughs) wanting to play Green Knuckles to his favor, maybe showering him with gifts was his plan all along. I don't know. I just don't know. In any event, I'll be checking out the next issue. And the editor's response. This is delicious, folks. The editor's response is, I had to condense your letter for reasons of space, Ian. 
but I can trust the salient points coming through. You were far from alone from your praise of Sonic number 100, as the next writer will testify. It's a very interesting use to word right now. Yes. Praise. Mm, yes. Praise. Yes. Mm, yes. Yes. So, as we can tell, uh, Ian cares a lot. A lot. And we see it. Yeah. We see it. If that letter doesn't show you that he's someone that cares about the finer details of a situation, I don't know what will. I will say, though, and this is something that I think we have to bring up. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a big point of, you know, obviously it's a shift in the comic. Right, right, right. right. We go from writers who are, how do we say, uh, incomprehensible at times to somebody who is very thorough. Ian has to do a lot of cleanup work. And when I say a lot of cleanup work, I mean a lot of cleanup work. All the issues that we have to talk about today is literally Ian Flynn playing janitor, but I mean that in the best way possible because the stories we're going to talk about are very enthralling. Yes. Even if maybe I have some issues with certain aspects of them, there is always going to be a counterbalance because I can appreciate that Ian Flynn cares so much. The issue with some of the this janitorial duty is that he has to sort of take the comic in the direction that it was already sort of snowballing in, right? And as a result, he still sort of has to follow the melodrama, the romance, which is the stuff that, like, we've talked enough about. But the conveyance of it is so much better and so much more interesting that it's worth it from a a much more, a much more, like, scene perspective. I definitely will say... You're still going to get some exposition dumps here and there, and there's definitely going to be a lot of talking, a lot of discussion. But even from page fucking one, there is so much more going on than e- than maybe the last 30 to 40 issues. Yeah. Yeah. I, I share that 100%. So I think, without further ado, let us introduce Sonic the Hedgehog number 160, folks. Ian Flynn, of course, writer, the first credit. On the comic, and also the artist, someone who is also pretty renowned in the Sonic comic world, Tracy Yardley. Yes, Mr. Yardley is uh, a very, very beloved artist. Uh, I believe this is one of the first to- uh, first times he does art for this comic. I think the first time, actually. Yeah. I think it's the first. So, so Tracy Yardley, I think, is like the most iconic Sonic artist as far as the comic goes, because I don't know about you. Aaron, but whenever I, like, completely removed without any stimuli, whenever I think in my mind Sonic the Hedgehog, it's Yardley's art style that I see. For for the for the comics, yes, it's 100%. It's, for the early stuff, it's Art Mawinney. For everything else, it's, it's Yardley. Yardley. Yardley's best quality is that he is expressive and on-fucking-model. This is a problem that this comic has had for so long. Is that nothing was ever on model. Tracy Yardley said, no, it's on model and I'm doing it right. Literally, they got in the two best people that they could to literally reinvent this comic from this point on. They just swept everyone out of the out of the scene that was a problem. And then these two guys come in and just say, guys, 
I'm having, I have a radical pitch for you guys, okay? You ready? All right, you might want to sit down for this. All right. We're going to... Okay, you ready? All right. We're yeah. going to make this comic good. I know, I know, I know. You're freaking out. I know, I know. Oh, just oh, relax, just relax. Oh, I can't handle this, man. Good? Meaningful writing? It's going to be good. good it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So, we open. Elias is explained to Sonic that about the issue with the Metal Sonic Troopers and brings him to a, a special little spot. He brings him back to their old Freedom Fighter base that they used to use in the fight against Robotnik. We are being referred now to issue one of the comic, their underground bunker, all fixed and cleaned up for a surprise birthday party for Sonic. It is almost like they are welcoming themselves in. We've gone all the way back to the very beginning when things were simpler, times were better, and we're ready to take it all back for a good old-fashioned celebration. This feels like issue 150 more than issue 150. I'm gonna be completely fucking honest with you. This is like an anniversary story. It feels like it, at least in my mind. Which is very fitting because with this, I believe it's this issue that starts the official branding for the 15th anniversary of the series. Wow. Really, uh, really special, folks. Really special. Yeah, really, really special 15th anniversary with a lot of really just fantastic video games like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog for the Xbox 360 and uh, Sonic Genesis for the uh, Game Boy Advanced. Really special. So, they're about to have their fun. They're about to have a little party. But it stops right before it begins with an explosion of bombs thrown in by two characters we haven't seen before. Bean the Dynamite and Bark the Polar Bear from Sonic the fucking Fighters, boys. So remember when we said that Ian Flynn actually cares? Yeah. Ex ex example one. Now, I, I would like to, to remind everyone, Bean and Bark have been talked about and referenced within a variety of media over the last couple years. It, it sort of started in generations, um, but at this time, people, these were like almost forgotten characters. Oh, yeah. But, but Ian Flynn... He said, nah. Yeah, nah, you're, you're going to learn nah. Ian Flynn has a very, very uh, thorough attention to detail and really loves referencing the obscure bits of the franchise, which I welcome 100%. So Bark breaks off. He breaks off the oak slide to use as a weapon and just trying to get his bearings. And Sonic thinks this is just another, uh, another catalyst of anti-Sonic ruining his reputation and pins bean to a wall to get answers but bean's like oh no no we know it's, it's you sonic uh eggman like kind of you know hired us just to ruin your day really we're not here to kill you or anything now meanwhile rouge found the master emerald in the chamber is trying to take it for herself but sees around the corner anti-sonic doing the same thing one assuming the other was distracting Locke, as he comes in to the two of them now, we're moving back into the base. Fiona has some familiarity with Bean and Bark, throwing keys out the window as a distraction for Bean. Because he's like, I think scatterbrained is the term. I don't know. With all of the other Freedom Fighters surrounding Bark, 
including Antoine with his sword at his throat. I think his time in the uh, anti-zone uh, sharpened him a little too much, in my opinion. Uh, nah, nah, you just you just became a little edgier. You know? A little bit. He's he's not he's not in Celia Antoine, but he's 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 just a little edgier. You know, just a little that, bit, a little bit, just a little bit. Um, I, I would like to also point out that uh, <clears throat> the writing uh, is so much more fun and expressive. Uh, you know, something as simple as uh, Fiona throwing the keys. And Bean, like, freaking the fuck out, going, like, shiny keys, shiny keys, right? Yeah. And she, and he just, she throws them, and he's just like, shinies, you know? It's like, I already, I feel, I feel like my skin has been clear in speed. <laughs> I feel like my... We've exfoliated. Indeed, we have. Uh, and, you know, even something as simple as the visual dialect of um, uh, Bark being, uh, you know, realizing that uh, he's outmatched, and him just... Sitting down with his hands on his head. You just know, like, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, huh? all right, sure. Uh, what? Yeah, Bark is never, never his written dialogue. He's, I guess he's a mute character, but he's still expressive in his own way. Right, which is like, that's like a hard thing to convey and make meaningful. But like, again, Yardley does it because he understands how to draw and, and interpret these characters. But regardless, uh, I let you continue. Yeah, regardless. So Bark surrenders. Fiona's still saying, yeah, I've always known you were the reasonable one, Bark. All the while, Sonic is wondering what her history is with them. And while Bean is outside playing with the keys, someone comes from behind him. Someone. And even though all is said and done, Fiona is still pressed by Sally about her checkered past. But Sonic is like, hey, look, no. Doesn't matter. Don't want to hear about it. You're here right now. You're on our side. You're a freedom fighter. Okay, when was the last time that Sonic felt like Sonic in this comic? My silence is deafening. As is mine. That moment? A thousand words. That is Sonic. That's the character I care about. Not this edgy, dumb, mean sometimes vain character no who of all people uh comes up to uh to the freedom hq with this situation why it was shadow so shadow barges in being knocked out in his hand saying quote happy birthday blue hedgehog i cleaned your yard for you <laughs> like that's so much fun yeah like it's fun <laughs> you see shadow's character now he's like He's edgy, yeah, but he's got a little bit of a snark to him. Yeah, he's got he's got the snark, and that's like that's that's why that's why we like him, you know? Yeah. Like even <laughs> he's if he's not trying to be funny, he's being funny. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It is very much like a Vegeta moment, if you will. Listen, we don't need to talk about what happens to Shadow uh as of recently. Well listen. Oh god. Well listen, Sega. Listen to me, fucking Sega. You wanna make <laughs> Shadow Vegeta so bad? Lenny and Flint do shit like this, alright? I don't have to yeah, anyway, anyway. 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 Uh Rouge, back in the chamber. She's going in for the fight, as Antisonic takes the distraction as his moment, saying, Ah, well, the birthday boy gets the goods, and starts to charge up into a super state from the Master Emerald leaving Locke pissed that this is happening, demanding he get off the Master Emerald, and takes a swipe at him, direct contact on his chest. I would I would also like to point out that Locke has not done anything fucking stupid yet. 
Which is impressive. Which is which is surprising because every comic he shows up in, he's a complete and total fuck up, and he hasn't fucked up yet. Now Locke goes back to face Rouge, but Anti Sonic stands back up, both surprised at who they're looking at. Now anyway, Shadow came back basically to thank Sonic, despite you know, on official note. We are enemies, I work for Eggman, but, eh, you know, if you didn't take out the Metal Sonic Troopers, Hope would have died. So, thank you. And as that scene plays out, Bunny wonders where Bean went. Rotor calling out he's found in the Brain Trust room with Eggman on the line, calling from there to report that they got beat. <laughs> I I just, I, I, I have to say I love how casual Bean is talking on, like, the, the Freedom HQ monitor. You know, he's just vibing in the chair. <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of like Bean is like, how do I describe this? He is like a chaotic force of the Archie Sonic world. One that I welcome because he doesn't have to do anything and he's still hilarious. It's like that. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty great honestly eggman responds back now looking at sonic saying well guess i'm gonna have to send you your birthday surprise now as he logs off and they hear a thud overhead some kind of pod they see when they climb out of the base and it real reveals itself as a badnik croctobot a combination of two badniks crockbot and octobot from various very classic stories Crazy. Back in the Master Emerald Chamber, we see what Locke and Rouge are reacting to, specifically asking him, are you still anti-Sonic? Quote, not quite, but a real scourge all the same. We now see a full art shot of anti-Sonic in a more unique now, but also probably the more familiar design you recognize him as. Green fur, Blue eyes, scar across his chest as a result of Locke's knuckles, red shades, and a leather jacket. And with this design, my man, Scourge the Hedgehog, goes from cringe to base. Incel to Chad, call my man a leaky faucet because he got dripped. So, obviously, the first major part of the janitorial duties was the anti-sonic thing. Okay, well, how do we make Anti-Sonic a different character and more distinguishable? Well, we can change the fur. Okay, but what color? Well, he's trying to steal a Master Emerald, right? So, what if he tries to power it up? Hmm? Or use the Emerald to power up? Hey, Knuckles did that. Remember he used the power of the Chaos Force? Mm -hmm. Remember? Mm -hmm. And he became green. But not Green Knuckles was, was stupid. No, but nobody liked Green Knuckles. Fuck that. But a green Sonic? With a unique design, some shades, some shark teeth, mm -hmm. a scar, mm -hmm. a leather jacket, mm -hmm. some cool shoes. Mm -hmm. Now that, my friends, now that is genius. Scourge is, without question, one of my favorite things to come from this from this comic. Mine um, too. Mine too. One of the, the concept of an evil version of Sonic was interesting. An evil planet with evil freedom fighters and a good Dr. Robotnik, you know, it's definitely unique. Scourge takes that one step further in that everything about his personality and his character is just all of Sonic's worst traits amplified to such an intense degree that he takes on an identity of his own 
and it's way more interesting than anything that came before it. And not only that, we're going to start to see some very interesting character moments from Scourge, especially in, if it's not the next arc, it's going to be the next arc immediately after that. I, I'm, it, it leaves me speechless even now. I can't wait to get to it. It's really fucking good. Really, really, really good. So, that shot of Scourge is our uh, last shot for this story. We have a story B, though, written by Tana Del Rio and art by Jason Amash. This is an adaption of Sonic Rush. And here's the thing. Remember how I've said before the adaptions kind of leave like this loose-hanging thread kind of to get you to play the game? That still happens. But later on in the comics, we're going to get to situations where it takes place in like another dimension so it's removed from the comics canon themselves but for the time being all of the adaptions still have a layer of canidity to the comics so this is going to be the case as well so we open on blaze she has a dream that the soul emeralds are in danger and finding a quote blue one will help her save them so she comes to knothole looking for sonic and she's attacked by swap bots and knocked out an hour later, Rotor comes to Sonic and shows him the footage he saw of this attack and asks Sonic to go find her. Now Blaze is asleep and is having her thoughts analyzed by two medical robots who see she has a fixation with these strange-looking emeralds and want to report it back to Eggman. If you're looking at the art, though, the strange-looking emeralds just kind of look like the regular Chaos Emerald cut that we know. So I'm thinking the art department didn't uh, get the memo. Yeah, they probably did not get, like, an image of the Soul Emeralds, which is unfortunate. But expected, as, you know, we've come to expect. But, uh, Sonic finds the place where Blaze is kept. But as she wakes up, she's pissed, sets fire to her surroundings, frees herself from her binds, throwing fireballs, the room is torched, as Sonic is right behind the door when it's blasted off its hinges. And all he can see is the silhouette of Blaze, looking down on him, only saying... You. That's the end of 160. Uh, listen, it's not a super complicated issue, but it's really good. The dialogue is strong. Um, the characters are strong. It's just like, wow, I'm having fun reading Sonic the Hedgehog comics. Who would have thought? Who would have thought, thought we could reach this point? Now, let's move on to 161. Again, Flynn wrote Yardley did the art. So the birthday boys, Sonic and Scourge, give a little recap to their situation. Sonic's fighting the super bad thing with Shadow. Scourge, jo Scourge uh, got juiced up from the Master Emerald. A regular XQC viewer, if I do say so myself. <laughs> I enjoyed my stay! <laughs> <laughs> and upon seeing Croctobot, Sonic bursts into a laughing bit. Even him saying, yo, this is fucking ridiculous, man. You, yo, Tails fucking beat you way back in the day. When he was like literally a toddler. What the fuck is this? <laughs> See, like, this is what I mean. It's like, listen, Penders would have taken this and just not done anything with it. But Ian Flynn sees it and he's like, okay, we can have a fun little opportunity to, to, to crack some yucks, okay? Like, like Tails is even like Sonic, come on, get a grip! Like, come on, it's like he's just laughing his ass off, and he's like, okay, okay, claw, claws and tentacles. Like, he just can't take it. It's it's so much fun. And Tails has to swoop Sonic away. He's about to be smashed by tentacles because he can't regain his composure. 
And meanwhile, Scourge is, you know, out there. He's getting his drip checked. Rui's kind of into it. And Locke is about to get back in for another swing, only to be taken out by a punch, kick, and elbow to the head. So I should also point out that because Scourge got a little bit of juice from the Master Emerald, basically gave him, like, a permanent uh, buff. So he's yeah. now, like, a little more stronger than Sonic is, and that's going to show in a minute. It's it's definitely interesting that they've given, um, I think, the decision to give Scourge kind of, like, an edge over his good counterpart by means the Master Emerald was also smart, because it means that Scourge can now be an imposing villain force, especially when he knows how, you know, his counterpart might think. So... Interesting, interesting, interesting. So, as Sonic is fighting the Badnik, Fiona looks on in bewilderment. She sees Bean and Bark just walking away. And actually, Bean offers her say, Hey, why don't you come back with us? Relive the good old days. And she's just like, No, no, no. I moved on. I'm a freedom fighter now. Bean's like, Eh, okay. But if you ever see Nick again, tell her I said, Hey. And they just go off into the woods, fucking off. Uh, there, there is a line I would like to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bean likes to, uh, Bean before, you know, he says goodbye, says, you know, the Nick thing. Sure you are. Hmm. Definitely very interesting that he would say it in that tone. You know. But, you know, Bean as a character clearly is like a scatterbrained individual, but clearly he knows more than he's given off. So he's very attentive. He's much smarter than you think he is. So, back in the cavern, Scourge is about to finish the job with Locke. Rouge is just like, no, stop. Don't, don't fucking kill him, you weirdo. If you want to ride with me, quote, no body count. And Scourge is like, ah, fuck, all right, fine, whatever. I'm, let's go to Knothole. I got a wuss to crush. So, Rouge asks, how do you plan on getting there that fast? To which Scourge grabs her and says, well, I'm just following intuition. Puts his hand on the Master Emerald and induces chaos control. Raw. <laughs> Raw. 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 Yo, his first major... Okay, so Scourge has been bored. What has he done since he's been bored? Beat the shit out of Locke. <laughs> chaos control to Knothole. Based. <laughs> already, already I'm going. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Yeah, Love he's, you. he's truly beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so... That leads them to be warped to the battlefield with Croctobot defeated in front of Sonic and Shadow. Scourge is just showing off his new look, saying, hey, this was because of a sampling of the Master Emerald. Sonic is like, whew, whew, Knuckles not going to like that one, buddy. And Scourge says, well, I'll take care of Knuckles like I took care of his dad. As Croctobot wakes up and tangles Sonic, Shadow, and Scourge in its tentacles, it wants to bring Shadow back to Eggman as a traitor. He's like, bro, that's not happening. Shut the hell up. As Sonic offers Scourge, hey, bud, quick truce to deal with this thing for a minute. He's like, yeah, yeah, all right, I can live with that. And the three triple homing attack Croctobot, taking it out in a matter of seconds. <sighs> Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Do you hear that? That's, that's joy. That's just pure, unrelenting joy. I hope you can hear the smile on my face, listeners. Triple homing attack! Like, that's so cool! Ah, God, it's so good! And with that done and dusted, Scourge immediately decks Sonic, leading them to a race fight around Knothole. Scourge has the upper hand, as I mentioned before, 
Master Emerald gave him a permanent buff, so he wins over Sonic as Tails swoops in to just punch him over the head, and he's knocked down as the other Freedom Fighters come in to kick the shit out of him. (laughs) See, it's not just Sonic and Shadow getting in on the fight. Everyone is! (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) So, Rouge comes in to save him, telling him to retreat. Scourge just gets up, after choking out Tails for a little bit, he runs off with Rouge, noting that he will need a Chaos Emerald to do Chaos Control again. Eh. No, I don't have... I may have gotten juiced up from the Master Emerald, but not enough juice like that. Meanwhile, Scourge and Rouge trip into a gold ring. Elias apologizes that their, you know, new old base didn't plan out to Sonic, but his birthday party got crashed, but Sonic is like, eh, no big deal, I'll live. Now we see Rouge and Scourge tripping out of a warp ring into unknown scenery. They face the person who brought them there, and he offers a partnership. Scourge asking, well, does your plan, are they going to bother Sonic and the Freedom Fighters? To which he says, oh yeah, in part, I think. Scourge leads to agree. And of course, we see who this offer is coming from. No other than Dr. Finitivus. The good characters... They're all, they're all just, they're all linking up. They're making a good character, Bonanza, you know? Ian Flynn said all these characters have such good potential. Let's fucking go. Yeah, I mean, what do you want me to say? Finitivus was sick in Return to Angel Island, and the fact that he's clearly doing some crazy shit already is, uh, very interesting. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, who only time will tell what his plans really are. But oh boy, those plans are going to be mighty fine. (laughs) Oh yeah, so the B story. Tana Del Rio did the writing and the art for it. So, continuing the Sonic Rush adaption, Blaze attacks Sonic, fire shots all around. Sonic runs off to find a place where he can get some kind of an advantage. In a more open corridor, Sonic's able to dodge or fire, but can't put it out leading him to run fast around Blaze, creating an oxygen vortex to cut off her fire, but also realizes he's going a little overboard and uh, almost uh, chokes her out and kills her. Which I have in my notes, this is the exact same scene as the one in Sky High. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Oh my god! Fuck off. (laughs) So she's knocked out, Sonic stops right at that second, and since she's defeated, she calls the fight off, saying that, alright, Sonic... Because of this, quote, I will now haunt your dreams the way you haunted mine, and disappears in a twirl of fire, saying she'll come back when she needs him. That's the end of that story. However, there is at the end of this issue some data file characters. This is a new thing that's going to be introduced with Ian Flynn, doing like basically a little bit of catch up for the new readers on certain characters. We have some on Scourge and Finitivus this time around. With some. Uh magnifique art by mr spaz oh mm-hmm. the they're they're almost like render tier like like art it's great i love it so infinite of his case not much is really known about this guy but scourge's info i want to point this out in particular scourge's info is saying his super form is similar to sonic in that he would turn gold which is technically true but i'll talk about that later I want you to keep in mind that uh, Scourge has a super form. Just just keep it in the back of your heads. So that's 161 done. Let's move on right fast to Sonic 162. Ian Flynn wrote, and uh, Fry comes back to do the art for this uh, arc. 
Uh, what episode was it? There was one time, I think it was a more recent one, where I talked about a character named Anonymous. I said that this arc, the arc doesn't go anywhere with this Anonymous character, which, back then it was true, but Ian Flynn was like, nah, I can make this work. I can make this work. So Ian Flynn, on his janny, jan, janitorial duty, uh, has taken up uh, another giant uh, plot mess and said, alright, let's sweep it out. <laughs> let's sweep it out. <laughs> So a disembodied voice referring to itself as Anonymous plots to strike Knothole as King Elias wants to give Sonic back his knighthood title, which Sonic rejects saying, hey, come on, I don't need a title to keep me cool, man. Come on. But the other reason why he called Sonic and his uncle Chuck was because Elias wants to assemble a new court of acorn like his father had and wants to start with the remnants of his father's old cabinet, starting with Chuck. We then move to Tails in the lab, being called out by an unknown voice. And in the doorway, we see his uncle Merlin meeting Tails in person for the first time. Behind him, of Sir Connery as his bodyguard. You might not remember Sir Connery, but uh, long story short, he was introduced in a, a Knuckles side story. His his whole arc is that he want, he's been gifted a quest from the ancient walkers to smite out dark magic in the realm. It's a very important note for that. All yeah, right? very, that. very, very important note about that quest. It's very relevant. Yes. So, Tails is ecstatic to see Merlin, happy just to have any one of his family back. And Merlin says, well, I'm happy to see you too, but I need to go see the king right away. He may be part of the key to keeping the ancient walkers alive. And keeping Mammoth Mogul trapped in Merlin's Chaos Emerald. Now we see Eggman lording over his egg grapes with the trapped echidnas with M and Adam, reporting that the grapes are about to near completion, and once active, will absorb the energy of the Zone of Silence, giving Eggman the raw energy of an entire dimension using empty husks of echidna bodies as filtration devices. Which, if you think, whoa... Dude, that's fucking insane. Yes, even Eggman says, yeah, this is a real crude way of doing this, but it's very fun. Something I really like about Ian Flynn is that while Eggman can be a goofy villain, um, you know, and we're, let's, let's talk like wider Sonic media, right? Yeah, yeah. There's often been this issue with Eggman where he's obviously evil, but he also has comedic characteristics to him, right? Just because sometimes he's a bit of a fuck or the characters around him are very fucky. But when Eggman gets diabolical, when he gets fucked, when he gets serious, a mad scientist who doesn't give a fuck about life itself. Yeah. A lot of fun to be had with that kind of character if you know how to do it right. I think that one of the best parts about Ian Flynn's depiction of Eggman is that he can do both sides of the character. Yeah. Um, something, yeah. but he, he, but something I think that he's very good about is constantly reminding you Eggman may be silly, but he's not a force to be played with lightly. He will and can do horrid, awful, disgusting things and will do them. And I think that's what makes him so interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. I just, I had to. No, 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 no. I had to get it's that out. Good. There. 
good character interpretation, especially with Ian Flynn at the helm. Now, Eggman also asked, hey, Adam, have you ever found out anything about this anonymous person? You know, the one who managed to, like, find out that roboticization is possible again and, like, activated the nanites. Do you have, do you know anything about that? Adam is like, no, nothing. I got nothing. Sorry. Meanwhile... In the realm beyond, near the Chaos Force. <laughs> ah, okay. contenders, go away! <laughs> shh, shh, shh. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay. He can't hurt us now, he can't. <laughs> Athair and Aurora are speaking to the ancient walkers, who say that they watched the development of Mobius since the coming of the Chaos Emeralds, but their power is weaning, and they three have appointed the two of them, along with Merlin, as the new walkers to replace them. Just want to point out that, like, the death of the ancient walkers that is obviously coming up was, uh, along with many other characters, an editorial mandate. Just wanted to shove that in there, because even the editors realized, hey, there are too many goddamn characters in this comic. We need to, like, rake them out. Good God. They loaded up the shotgun, they handed it to Ian Flynn, and they gave him a large box of bullets and said... Janny duty get to killing <laughs> he does it for free he does it for free <laughs> <laughs> now in reality merlin and tails walk out to knothole along with sir connery guarded merlin up to this point protect from who though tails asked interrupted by the destructix mogul's old mercs who steal merlin's chaos emerald so Tails, he's trying to get the Emerald back. He's knocked down by Hawk, and Connery is held down by Simeon. As Hawk is about to just, like, claw into Tails, Sonic spin dashes into him, leading the rest of the Freedom Fighters to join in on the fight, including Knuckles to take him out, the Chaos Emerald now back in Tails' hand. So Knuckles tells them, okay, go to Elias. He needs to know about this. Me and the Chaotix will clean up this mess. Just go. So then Connery goes to Elias with the Freedom Fighters behind, and presents to him the Sword of Light, a gift from the ancient walkers when he was called from the king's service many years ago, used to smite darkness from the world. And with the mission done, he guided Merlin and Mogul in the Chaos Emerald, which was said to be cursed from the moment it was embedded to his chest. So Merlin reports, If the ancient walkers die, the curse will be lifted and Mogul will be free. However, I think... If we have the crown and the sword of acorns, we can use those to keep the walkers alive and keep the curse in place. The reason being, Sally says, the sword and the crown were directly made from the source of all, the base element of the universe, so she says, and are able to tap into that power. Basically, it's all that's left after it was destroyed. So Sally, however, says that she gave the sword to the children of Arachnus way back when because she said it was too commanding for her to deal with. In response, Elias gives Merlin the crown of acorns to begin the search for the sword. As we see the said children of Arachnus hovering above Eggman in his base, they crash in. Adam detecting the egg grapes are beginning to power outside the parameters as Eggman commands M to fight for his safety. As M and Eggman rush off, Adam locks in the egg grape chambers as the arachnids use the Sword of Acorns, seeing reality swirl around it, bringing the pods into it like a black hole, and the burst of energy resulting breaches into the reality of the Chaos Force, 
and a swipe of energy kills the ancient walkers. Aurora and Athair witnessing it. I, I just want to point this out really quickly. Really, really quickly, right? Okay. So we have this exposition dump recapping all of the stuff with the ancient walkers, mammoth mogul, whatever, right? And then we actually had something happen after it. If this was a Pender's comic, we'd be done by now. We would have no secondary story. And I don't know. There'd be more exposition. But no, something has happened. And not only has something happened, we're going to get a follow-up. Quick. I know. Crazy, dude. Yeah. Who would have fucking thought from this comic? As a result of the Ancient Walker's death, the curse is broken and Mogul is free from the Chaos Emerald, takes form in Castle Acorn in front of Sonic and Tails. So that's the end of that story, right? That's a very nice cliffhanger. We do have a secondary story, though. Flynn writing, Yardley doing the art. We focus on Snively. He's a knothole repairing a machine and starts to doubt a little bit from himself. He asked... Do I even really belong here with the Freedom Fighters? You know, I used to be in league with Eggman and later on with the Destructix for a little bit, but I never felt like I belonged. And while Hope, his stepsister, found refuge and fully acceptance from the people of Knothole, he feels a little... still feels like it's not the same, as the machines he's monitoring all suddenly come off. By then, a hologram of Eggman appears to him, saying, Snively... My boy, it's time for you to come home. I plan to wipe out both the Freedom Fighters and this anonymous person. These plans, I can make it up. They're about to pay off. And with you as my number two, eh, all right. I'm offering you to come back. No questions asked. Pardon you for your crimes of betrayal. Just, just come back. Just come with me. And Snively actually does want to accept, but just says, all right, uh, just, just give me a little bit of time, all right? I'll be right back. I... Okay, before we get into this, because this is, a, this is a really, really important and great, great moment in this comic. The Okay, so Snively joining the other side for a while was definitely a way to sort of keep him kind of in his own little corner. But bringing him back into the, the, the forefront is definitely interesting. And kind of talking about the whole acceptance and the, the Overlander, Mobian, you know, went back and forth... It, it, it's cool how they mention that Hope has found her place, right? But you can clearly tell that Snively cares about her, right? Yes. Because they're family. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And that leads to... That leads to Snively going to Hope, basically. She's working on a biplane, which she says, Oh, Chuck thinks that I'm going to ace my science project this year for sure. And Snively tells her... You know, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy you're you're good here. I think you should be among your own people. You know, the Overlanders have expanded and settled territory a lot recently. Go to the United Federation. You know, I think you'll be happier there. And Hope is like, yeah, I, I kind of think you're right. So, hey, why don't you come with me, Snively? And he responds is, if I can, direct quote. And they go their separate ways. And he comes back to Eggman, fully agreeing. We then skip to Snively. Think Eggman's uh, outfit, but now green. Got a little cape on his back as well. He's on board the Egg Fleet. You know, the level from Sonic Heroes. It's that. Where he laments, everything now has come full circle. 
I betrayed my people to help my uncle. I betrayed the Mobians to help him conquer the world. I betrayed Eggman to help the Moby or the Acorn Kingdom. And now I betray them again to help Eggman. And while I thank you for refu- for giving me refuge in a moment of weakness, that weakness will not be tolerated in the Eggman Empire. And says a final message to Hope, run while you still can. That's the end of 162. A fantastic side story. Um, Snively is obviously still the same fuck piece of shit that we all dislike, but there's a little bit of hope in him and a little bit of humanity yet. I think that yeah. his interaction with Hope, the heads up that he basically gives her, you know, subtly is it's it's charming. It's charming and it also shows that like he all and the little recap moment of like him flip-flopping back and forth to just whichever situation is the best for him at any given moment. I think that's also a pretty crucial note to have how He's kind of a spineless character. Yeah, he really is. Even though that he does have its moments of like standing up for himself, at the end of the day, he'll go to whichever side will treat him better in the moment. He has no loyalty to anything at all. A very important note to make, my friend, for the future. You know, just like a lot of the little little, little sprinkles here and there that we've been talking about. So you, This side story is very important for Snivelet. You, you think Ian Flynn's janitorial duties are him just sweeping up? No, right now he's disinfecting. And also, he's he's also in the moment, like, putting some uh, new poopery up. Yes. It's a very weird way to phrase this. Sonic 163. 163. Flynn wrote, Fry did the art. This anonymous, back again, claims he assembled every threat that Sonic's had to face before. Starting with Mogul, barricading himself in a shield of chaos energy, proclaiming the ancient walkers are dead, which Connery takes a swing at him to no avail, and upon releasing the barrier, knocks out everyone around him, leading Mogul to take the crown of acorns for Elias. Now, in Eggman's base, he's demanding Adam... Let me and M back into the chambers as he sees someone who escaped from an alternate dimension thanks to the fissure. Ixis Nagus, along with the children of Arachnus, and M engages. I I cannot fucking believe I'm saying this, but Ian Flynn really out here sweeping up all the dust bunnies from under the couch saying hey guys remember these guys all these dudes that you remember remember all of them every single one of them they're here i'm i'm, I'm sweeping them out <laughs> so nagus dodges m's laser and freezes her in place nagus says hey eggman i don't want any vengeance for you rather I'm looking to the companion of the Sword of Acorns, and I think we're going to fight at some point in the future. Yeah, it's going to happen, but uh, not right now, as he flashes away. Then we move to the Knothole Jail. We see the Destructics in their cell, Knack and another, and Knack is just harping away. Ha! I'm glad I'm not stuck in there with you losers. Hilarious. As Mogul melts the wall of the Destructics' cell to free them, pledge their loyalty to Mogul once again, and leave with him to look for the Sword of Acorns, upon which Nagus warps in front of him. <laughs> a monument. Wait, the best part. Mogul says, A monumentous quest lies before us to acquire the Sword of Acorns. We shall begin searching, literally teleports in. Ah, not all. It has grown prosperous. Of course, the crowd of acorns would be here. <laughs> 
they the two realize what the other have, both wanting the last remnants of the source of all. And so the two size each other up, one an immortal being. So now, as the three groups fight in the chaos, Adam tells Eggman, Your egg grapes have been lost to the zone of silence. All that remains are the ones that are not occupied. So, we just witnessed an echidna genocide here, buddy. Oh! Now, uh, in response, you know, to this information, the cause, Adam says, turned out to be M, helping Anonymous. But she's like, no, wait, what are you talking about? I have no memory of this. What are you talking about? But Adam shows Eggman the footage. She's colluding with a figure that's been fuzzied out to release the egg rapes into the zone of silence. And in response to this information, Eggman orders M to self-destruct. And she complies. Eggman orders Adam not to just delete her data, but also delete the data of the Metal Snively project. No more henchmen. No more. No more. No more. Ian Flynn on that janitorial duty right now, real hard. We're just taking them out one by one. And now... On the issue of Nagus, he and Mogul are basically having a wizard's duel. Mogul showing profound use of Ixus magic, even beyond Nagus. Mogul saying that Nagus is just sloppy with it because you relied too much on drawing of the Zone of Silence. But as this is going on, Merlin and Connery try to get the artifacts while they're distracted. But uh, attempting to grab the crown and sword are a little futile. Mogul catches them, and ESP yeets Connery and Merlin to the air, Sonic and Knuckles having to catch them. But Nagus catches something, though. Because there's a line of dialogue where Mogul says that the Order of Ixis was once his order. And Mogul recaps his story, how he ruled all of Mobius with his chaos powers, he was exiled, and then learned the mystic arcs and founded the Order of Ixis. Even saying he was once known as Ixis Mogul. And all of his followers were wiped out in the Forgotten War with the Knights of Albion. And Nagus... Nagus has a very interesting response to this. Quote, That changes everything. Nagus now recognizes Mogul as his superior and gives him the Sword of Acorns. Now a subordinate to Mogul orders the children of Arachnus follow Mogul. And as the Destructics regroup, the Freedom Fighters and Chaotix do the same. Not after Nagus giving the sword to Mogul, he now is a little juiced up, becoming all-powerful, probably on the tier of uh, Master Mogul, I believe it was called. Do you remember the Titan Tales incident? It's that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't want to talk about the Titan, the, the, the Turbo Tales incident, Titan Tales incident. It's, it's very cursed. But that's what's happening now. But that's the end of the story, okay? We're done. We're done. Right. We're done. Cool. Yeah, We're done. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, second story is uh, a Sonic Riders adaptation uh, with writing done by Ian Flynn and pencils done by Tracy Yardley. Uh, this is a short but fun uh, little story, and uh, I really like it. And also, I must mention, 
uh, Tracy Yardley mimics the art style of the game's concept art, basically. If you can just look at uh, some of the art from Sonic Riders, very heavy on the shading. Extremely heavy on the shading. And Yardley does it masterfully. I'd also like to point out, this is actually this whole comic. This was the first issue of Archie Sonic I read. Oh shit, look at that. Yeah, this is this is the first issue. And I uh I really, really, really like this comic as a result. We see Jet the Hawk. He's stealing something, is on the run from Eggman's mechs, but crashes into one and ends up being brought to him. So Eggman sees that Jet stole a vapor accelerator, planning to upgrade his airboard. Jet's saying, Hey, eh, times have been tough since I quit the Armada. He's referring to the Battle Bird Armada. The one from Tails Adventure. We'll get to that. Wow. That's all I'm going to say. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. So Jet, having never heard of this Sonic guy before, which is kind of surprising in all honesty. Almost that I don't believe him, but regardless. Eggman comments, well, your board made you go as fast as he is. So he offers a deal. Rough up Sonic a little bit. I won't kill you. What do you say? And Jet's like, oh, yeah, sure. Can I bring along some of my buddies? And Sonic, we see him, answering Nicole's response about possible intruders to Knothole, is sworn by Jet and the rest of his Babylon rogues, Wave and Storm. Some taunting between the two of them leads to a race, but Sonic is punched, kicked, and just swarmed out, out on the ground, but not out. That's the end of 163. Fun! Who would have thought? So... 164, Flynn wrote, Fry doing the art, so... In the middle of the fight, Sonic manages to break through and get the crown off Mogul, and upon putting it on Elias' head, it shocks him with green lightning, both Elias and Sonic. Mogul comments that this is because of his own binding with the Source of All. The energy now has changed to only respond to me, buddy. But Connery engages him, sword in hand, one-on-one fight, they clash... The Sword of Acorns charge from the source of all, leading Connery to apologize, saying, quote, I'm sorry, my king, but I must destroy the source of all. Sir Connery, in his in his final gambit, in in one of the best moments from this arc. I am Sir Connery, paladin of the ancient walkers, bringer of the light and enemy of the darkness. By the power invested in me, by the highest of powers, I smite thee! And the the art accompanying it is magnificent. A clean swipe across Mogul. Shattering the sword, breaking the source of all, and ending his reign. But... For such an intense task, Sir Connery gave his life, disappearing from existence, giving up everything as a result. So, Mogul still, while the source of all is destroyed, Mogul is still able to get up. Him, the Destructix, and Nagus facing the Freedom Fighters and the Chaotix, boasting he's still able to wield incredible power. Right as Eggman appears overhead, in the Egghawk, screaming, Fire! Just fire at the field, surrounding Mogul and Nagus. The shots, hitting Destructix alike, Nagus and Mogul, show signs of some kind of crystallization, as Mogul is screaming, refusing to accept the reality, as they all fade away. Eggman only says, Phase 3, complete. 
Eggman lands in the field, telling Sonic, I'm not here to fight you guys. Nagus and Mogul were the bigger threats. So I, what I did was I shot them with some teleportation tech I, quote, wasted on Hunter. They're his captives now. And yeah, I could wipe Knothole off the map with my Egg Fleet, but not now. Not now. Sonic leaps to Eggman as he quickly launches off with the fleet. Au revoir, folks. Till next time. Later, Elias is seen paying his respects at Connery's grave, along with Sally, Sonic Tails, Knuckles, and Merlin. And he's torn. He wanted to reform his father's old court, but now he feels lost. But Sonic pats him on the shoulder and just says, No, keep going, Elias. You need to focus on your goal to rebuild this kingdom. That's what you need to do here, man. This loss may just be a loss, but it's not a down and out. You still have your kingdom. You still have us. And re-energized, declares Sir Connery's sword held up high. This sword will be passed down from the acorn line onward, a symbol of our commitment and a testament of Connery's bravery. Sally and Elias then go their separate ways. The remaining four head back to the city. The ancient walkers are dead, but Athair, Aurora, and Merlin are now the new ancient walkers. As long as Sonic has tails and knuckles on his side, that's enough for me. The best, the best line at the very end of this is that Sonic is like, okay, so we've lost the ancient walkers. Now who do we turn to for a deus ex machina? Yeah, we know who to go to, but I got my boys. That's all I need. Now we then move to Eggman's base. He's back in the egg grape chambers. Adam says Mogul is protecting all of them from being drained, as Eggman just says, eh, let him struggle. And that scene that the void has now been merged with the zone of silence, the energy I can pull from it will be more stable and useful. So, I'm going to bed. Which Adam just leaves him and reassures him, there's still much left to be done. And in the last scene, we see Adam's screen saying that he made Eggman the most unrivaled power on Mobius. And it will be too late that Adam determines Anonymous's movements, showing on screen a silhouette of a certain character that we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So we'll see. that's that story done. We have a secondary story picking up the writer's adaption. Flynn and Yardley was a team. Sonic comes back to the base, roughed up a little bit, uh, to Tails and Knuckles after, you know, getting fucking owned. And Knuckles, Knuckles does, I think, like the most base thing he's done yet. Standing up for our guy said, who did this to you? I'll make him pay. Wow, that's very in character. It's almost like I'm looking at the character Knuckles and not whatever version of him has been paraded around in this comic for a hundred plus issues. <laughs> so Sonic says Eggman got some new lackey, the Babylon Rogues. There are airboards that they were riding gave them good speed. It's a little, little hard for me to keep up with, man. So Tails takes the opportunity to reveal a little side project he's been doing. He's been making his own airboards. And I, I wanted to use these, he says, to keep up with you, Sonic, on missions. But I made one for you just in case you ever wanted to ride along. So the next day, the rogues are on their way to Knothole. But they're cut off by Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles on their own airboards. Jet takes this challenge a little more seriously now, and the six race fight against each other. Knuckles and Storm are tangling. Wave calls Tails' boards pieces of shit, basically. <laughs> but Sonic and Jet call it a race to Knothole, ending the story with a little, you know, play Sonic Riders. You know, get the game, why don't you? 
How do you, how do you, okay, so we didn't really talk about Sonic Rush, but we'll talk about it in just a second. But how do you feel about Sonic Riders for the GameCube? Because I feel like, I have a lot of like weird feelings about that game. Like, like give, give me some, give me some thoughts first. I mean, I remember really liking it when I was a kid. I, when I was younger, I would go through like many phases of really liking a certain game. And I remember really liking Sonic Riders and playing that pretty religiously for a good good month maybe or something like that i really did enjoy it i thought it was i thought the gameplay was very unique for a sonic racer sonic riders is weird because its mechanics are actually really interesting and deep but they don't explain them to you well at all and it sucks because it's like interesting but it's an interesting racing game um i think it's okay i i think i think i need maybe to do a sit down with it um backtracking a little speed how do you feel about uh sonic rush i i love sonic rush it is definitely one of my top 10 games it's definitely in there the music done by hideki naganuma oh absolutely do do we do we even do we even have to say anything i mean it's it's a naganuma soundtrack listen man i all i gotta say is all i gotta say is right there right on back to back metal scratch me Velanova. And of course, wrapped in black. Like that's it. That's that's that, the tweet, that, boys. The the rest of the soundtrack is 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 insane too. It's so good. It's so good. The game itself a little bit more mixed on. There's a lot of very annoying mashing and um, Dimp's level design is definitely at an all time high in that game. Hello, bottomless pits galore. Um, but mm. I still really love Sonic Rush despite that. It's a great. It, it's really really fun. I I love it. I genuinely love it. So that's that's the end of that. That's the end of 164. Let's move on to 165. So this is where things are going to get a little interesting, boys. So 165, Ian Flynn, Yardley are the creative team. So we open on Rouge being interrogated by Vector. Knuckles and Julie Sue in the room as well. Turns out she's there asking for protection. They want answers from her, like, how did you use a warp ring to get here? Seeing as, you know, only people from Angel Island have that kind of tech. But, we see before this, someone gave up dirt on her. And they want her to, to collaborate, you know, elaborate a little bit more. Revealed to be Fiona, with Mighty, Espio, and Ray as witnesses to her statements. So, a little reluctantly, but with Sonic to just say, hey, it's all good, it's all good. She says that she encountered Rouge in various different places. First, in an illegal fighting ring with, we see Bean and Bark as her partners. Very nice uh, little reference to the fighting game. Yeah. Beat by her to treasures both ancient and illegal. So, Vector basically holds this over her head, and she just agrees to talk. She escaped via a warp ring with Scourge, thanks to Dr. Finitivus. They broke free the Destructix from the Egg Grapes, where most of Sonic's previous enemies were being held as well. But, uh, per her words, most of them were already dead when they got there. Mogul escaped before as well, so the Destructus joined Finitivus' side. Then they went to a deserted base, where Finitivus wanted to steal data from a robot called Isaac, where its data was found as corrupt. And if you, if that name is familiar to you, it is... Let's, let's just move on from it. Let's just, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So when Rouge found out he wanted to control the ancient missiles in the base, she trashed them. 
does not want anything to do with that. This technology should not be in the hands of anybody, especially not this dude. And she steals a ring, escape to Knothole, and here we are today. And Knuckles asks, well, were you followed? She says, yeah, probably. Leading to we see Sonic walking with Fiona, tails near a tree, a little nervous, which leads to one of the Destructics, Sleuth Dog, coming out behind the tree. Excuse me. Excuse me. It's Sleuth Doggy Dog? Hello? Like, that was the original name? It's... I just... Why did they call him Sleuth Doggy Dog? It's so bad. Like, Sleuth Dog is fine, but Sleuth Doggy Dog? Yeah. Like, I get, you're, I, get, I get you're trying to make the Snoop reference, but it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of silly. It's a little silly. It's a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. He's the one holding Tell's hostage, gun to the head and everything. And Sonic is about to engage as Scourge comes from behind, surprise attacks on Sonic, saying, buddy, it's time for round fucking two, as they race fight. So Fiona then asks Sleuth, can you just, like, release Tails, dude? Like, don't fucking do this, man. But he's here for a goal. To get a traitor and something she stole. It's a conversation with ends with Sleuth saying, you know, it's a little ironic, all of this traitor talk coming from you, Fiona. Why, it's, you know, why are your, it's, it's ironic, you know, for you to call me traitor. Hmm. Hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Sonic and Scourge keep up the pace, running into a tree to fight. Scourge, though, came back because he, he wanted to fight for real. Also, quote, I wanted to see my girlfriend again. I just love how she plays it like you two are for real. Now this triggers Sonic. He's going ham. He just slams Scourge into a tree, screams at him, calling him a liar, as Fiona just asks them to stop. Sleuth and I cut a deal. If I just give him the warp ring, uh, he'll call it even. He'll just call everything else a loss. What do you say, Sonic? As Sonic just says nothing to anyone and rushes to HQ, immediately comes back and gives Sleuth the ring. To which he and Scourge leave in it. And as they're gone, Fiona just says, Sonic, listen, whatever Scourge said was a lie. He's lying to you. And they walk back into Knothole hand in hand as Tails walks away with, uh, I think, a pretty complex set of emotions right now. Yeah, my boy is uh, is going through it. He's He is uh, down stupendous, one might say. You might say that, but that's only part of the emotions, I think. Oh, of course. So, of course. Later, Knuckles and Vector leave the room. Vector thinking that all this was just a waste of time, as Rouge looks behind. Loki kind of checking out Knuckles a little bit? As Julie Sue kicks the chair out from under her and starts to threaten her, saying, Listen, I see you what you're fucking looking at Knuckles like, and if you take away something that precious to me... I'll show you how good of a soldier I can be. Which Roots says, Yeah, you're cute. I specialize in taking precious things, babe. So if you're so confident in your feelings to h- for him, you got nothing to worry about. As Julie Sue says, direct quote, Let me go, you bit, leading Roots to kick her in the stomach, saying, Bat, don't you forget it. 
as she leaves the room. So, number one, I just want to say, very bold. This is his fifth script, and Ian Flynn already just straight up wants to call Rouge a bitch via Julie Sue. I love it. I love it. It's, um... <laughs> I, I think it kind of speaks for itself. It's, <laughs> it's I, I, I don't know. I think it's so cool that Ian Flynn really just said... He just has yeah. agency like that. Yeah, yeah, I love it. yeah. It's it's awesome. It's it's super good. And this is a good interaction between Julie Sue and Rouge. I mean, of course, when you have Rouge become a more prominent character, you have to address the elephant in the room, especially with this comic. Mm-hmm. The relationship between Rouge and Knuckles, the 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 shyness, the war, the the you know the sort of like reluctance right and like julie sue immediately being like hey yo get the fuck off bitch get the fuck off my mans yeah fuck for real so we got a story b here and let me tell you boys we got a secondary story on our hands (sighs) okay so uh, (laughs) written by ian flynn art by butler okay let's get the credits out of the way first the first knuckle story that is written entirely by Flynn. Mm. So, what happens, <sighs> may I ask? Let, let's find out. So, Rotor called Knuckles to the technology, saying, Hey, there's a call from your dad, but we don't have any signal or anything, so I don't know how his call got through. Knuckles is like, Look, we Guardians can use the Chaos Force in a lot of creative ways. So, Locke, we see him with Knuckles. Essentially demanding he come home. Knuckles says, look, I, I can't. I, I, I can't. I, I have things to do here. And Locke says, okay, then send the Chaotix. Quote, they aren't mine to send. And now, from this point on, most of this in my notes was just me transcribing dialogue. Because I can't summarize this and do this justice. So, Locke and Knuckles here. They seemed willing to follow you to the surface in battle. Yeah, they're my friends, not my soldiers. They came because they wanted to. Good. That means they'll follow you here. Getting angry now? So why do you think you need me up there so bad? Long story short, the Echidnas are rebuilding Echidnaopolis. They were getting caught between General Cage and his army and a civil war between Lane Da and an unknown agent spending the camps of the great uh, the Dark Legion in two. Lane Da of the Flame Legion and the unknown leading the Frost Legion. And Knuckles just says, oh, okay, Locke, so, so you're just like too busy because the people come first, yeah? As a guardian, our people come first. And Locke says, no, what are you talking about? Protecting the Master Emerald comes first, and the Brotherhood is still missing, and I've been spending all my time looking for them, and I can't find them. Or, you know, if I can't find them, you know, maybe I can't, won't be able to find, say, Charmy's people, you know? I mean, hmm. without your help, at least, Knuckles, without your help. And also, take note of the art here. All the while, as conversations going back and forth, we see Locke on the screen blown up whereas knuckles is just like like itty bitty on the art representing Locke lording over knuckles basically for his entire life especially right in this moment okay it's the ghost of ken penders <laughs> knuckles we see him clenching his fist and teeth only saying no Locke is just taken aback and shocked that Knuckles refused. Knuckles responding saying, listen, 
all of the problems that's going on on Angel Island are coming from the same source. Eggman. And you taught me, Dad, not to approach the problem head on. Always look for all sides and, you know, plan accordingly. And with those lessons, I think the best way to save Angel Island is to defeat Eggman. All right, I'm saying it right now. This single comic has made the relationship between between the two of them 20 times more interesting than it ever was before. There is tension. There is emotion. Knuckles isn't just taking it. He's fighting back. Quote, So you plan on staying down there to right wrongs? Just like the Brotherhood was doing for years? Yes. I am. Let's fucking go! Let's go! And upon that, the final whammy. Locke finishes, Knuckles, you have to come back. I cannot guarantee the safety of your mother and her family. Leading Knuckles, shocked and angered that his father said that, punches the monitor in rage and in tears, we now see Rotor, Tommy, Chuck, and Tails behind him as Rotor reaches out to him. But Knuckles just dusts him off. He's fine. And Knuckles apologizes for, you know, getting a little heated and breaking the screen. Tommy says, hey, you know, it's all right, buddy. It can be fixed. It's fine. You're good. As he's walking away, Tails wants to try to talk to Knuckles, but he just says, no, not now, Tails. But Tails stops him, just saying, listen, Knuckles. Uh, you made the right choice. You did. And I know one day your father will see that. And Knuckles steps out of the uh, the area, looking up in the sky, saying, One day I will return to Angel Island. One day. As we then see Locke in the Master Emerald Chamber, sitting and fucking molding. This comic is such a huge W, I can't even describe it. Um, had to climb the Eiffel Tower to see this W, Habibi. Yeah, I I think that's a very accurate description of uh, of this comic. I think what makes it great is the fact that Locke is continuing to try and basically force Knuckles to go back, and Knuckles is just like, "No, I know the correct solution. Nothing will ever change unless we stop Eggman." His father, in his stubbornness just refuses. He's still stuck in the old ways of the Guardianship thinking, no, the Guardian of Angel Island is the Guardian of Angel Island. The Guardian belongs here. But Knuckles is like, no, we're, we're part of a bigger plane of existence, Father. We're part of the world. We may be disconnected from the landmass, but shit goes on, and it affects us, and it needs to be dealt with, and that they will never see eye to eye on. Good. Locke is a fucking boomer. Fuck Locke. And that story ends 165, the most cathartic comic thus far. And now, and now. Okay, okay. So remember, y'all remember when when we said Ian Flynn was on Janie duty? Okay, so, so they said, hey, Ian. Hey, hey, Ian. We really need your help. So Ian's like, sure, what can I do? Ken Penders made a really, really awful fucking comic. Can you fix it? What? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> and then they dropped the script on his desk and said, fix it. <laughs> and he said, 
Okay. So, all of a sudden, we are now dragged, kicking and screaming, <laughs> back to Mobius 25 years later. I don't want to go back. So, we just get dragged back out of nowhere to Mobius 25 years later. Look. Okay. We have said a lot on Mobius 25 years later. It's fucking bad. Everyone agrees it's bad. And I don't really know if this is much better. <laughs> um, this is def this is definitely the weakest of all the comics we're going to be talking about uh, today. Th yeah, th these these two issues. But I I still think even for what it is, there's some pretty good moments in here. For sure, there is some very there are some very interesting concepts and ideas that are played out here that I, I would like to see explored maybe some more in some other mediums and fashions but the base you're starting with just it's not good we've had that discussion the floor here is not great but ian flynn let's see what you can do so he wrote yarley did the art we return to the world of mobius 25 years later and we recap king sonic was successful in the mission he used time travel to close the wounds of reality and saved existence, but in the process, irreparably changed the timeline. On the city of Portal, Angel Island, we see tails flying above. Seeing a statue of Maria with angel wings on her back, Mobians surrounding it in worship, and a nearby digital sign of Knuckles saying only the Chaotics are watching. Tails notes, none of this is right. And I think I need to get the band back together for this. Now, meanwhile, we see Knuckles training Laura Sue to be Guardian. And she's getting the hang of the ESP Chaos Force stuff as Tails walks in, asking for Knuckles. Interestingly enough, Laura Sue does not know who he is. And Knuckles just insists, go elsewhere, take a break. Let me talk to him alone, please. Tails wants Knuckles to admit everything. Knuckles, I know you have memories of a different timeline that he, quote, wasn't always King Shadow's chief enforcer. You were near the Tachyon chamber, weren't you, Knuckles? And Tails says he knew things are so weird. And, and, you know, back then, I took precautions to protect my family from all the weird space time changes and that everyone near the chamber carried over elements of the other reality. Knuckles, just hand waves all this, refuses to admit. Tails, everything is wrong. No, Shadow's not the center of this. I, shut up. I don't want to hear any of this. And on top of that, Kobor is missing, and they need to find Sonic and act fast, which leads Knuckles to just snap, saying, get out, Miles, before I have you arrested. And you know it's bad when he drops the government name. You know yeah, when 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 Tails is no longer the name, you know that's when he's like, oh, oh, uh. oh. Tails leaves. Laura Sue comes out from behind, saying, "Hey, don't worry about it. My dad's never been a people person, and she learned to listen in between, you know, learning from my dad and Uncle Espio." And she admits, I, "I have vague memories of friends and things that aren't here anymore." Referring to Sonic's children, of course. So, she accompanies Tails to find, quote, the true King of Mobius. And in the catacombs of Castle Mobius, we see Shadow, in regal attire, holding Rodor prisoner, being tortured, saying that 
your resilience is impressive as much as it is frustrating. He leaves and says, you'll break eventually. And behind the door, we see Landa praising her for proving her usefulness once again. Shadow my man is saying, Landa, you are girl bossing. You are slay queening. Doing it in the name of Maria, of course. <laughs> in the name of Maria. Okay, so here's my biggest problem with this whole shenanigans. It's this. I can get some of the ideas here with an evil kind of hyper militaristic shadow, but I don't think it fits him particularly well. See, I, I like to think of this as just a hindsight as 2020 kind of situation. In the comics itself, Shadow is still seen as an antagonistic character. Obviously now, and even at the time, Shadow was moving towards a more like rivaly kind of character like obviously still an ally to sonic but a rival to him not necessarily evil anti-hero even is the best way to put it so right now to have shadow still kind of be in that like antagonistic tone i think is fair at this exact precise moment but yeah it's a, it's a little strange it is a little strange yeah it's uh uh it's a little questionable but uh Either way, we shall continue. Either way. Um, she says, well, you know, don't thank me. Thank Kobar. After I, I caught him conspiring with Rodor in the other timeline, I forced him to make me some armbands here. They'll protect me from the space-time alterations. And after all, I thanked him 47 times to the head. Shadow leaves, saying, ah, well, go in there and give a thanks to Rodor then. Get when you get more information out of him, of course. Quote from King Shadow. I cannot lose this world. I've done too much for it to be stopped now. And then in comes in a Dark Eyes Enforcer, which wore the Dark Legion of the time. Gives Landa a tablet of information, showing her... Oh, looks like Laura Sue's hanging out with the wrong crowd. Hmm. To which King Shadow orders Landa to contact the legitimate chief enforcer. Let him handle it. So then we then move to Tails and Laura Sue in a dark alley in a decrepit part of the city and find Sonic, a now homeless bum, saying, oh, look at me. Look at all this. I was, One day I'm king of the planet. You go back in time and now you're on the street with nothing but the sneakers on your feet. To which we then see Sonic looking at Tails and... He kind of understands. Look in his eye. You're from the old timeline, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Mina and the kids, I protected them from the changes, much like myself. I get it, Sonic. I do. And the two embrace. Sonic is has tears in his eyes. I'm not... I, unfortunately, I wasn't safe. My kids are gone from reality. And now Sally is married to Shadow. And Sonic, in the arms of Tails and Laura Sue, also holding back tears in his eyes, wants his old life back. Now, let's stop here for a second. I wanted to note that originally, the original art for this moment showed Sonic, like, bawling his eyes out. Naturally, of course, because his kids have been fucking unpersoned. But Sega stepped in saying, no, we don't want to see Sonic like that. Just have him shed a single tear. Cowards! Fucking cowards, man. Okay, so 
I think that this is obviously an interesting twist. Sonic is essentially a homeless bum. But I can't help but also kind of laugh at the irony of, of this being NTR cucked Sonic. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, I just... Uh. I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, it, it's just... It rides that line, you know? <sighs> well, sorry. Yeah. With that being said... um. Tails notes, we can't risk time travel again after you've risked so much to fix the situation, Sonic. Which then leads Sonic to apologize. Tails, I'm sorry things got so bad between us. I, How, how can you forgive me for after all this? And Tails just says, hey listen, big brother. All is forgiven. All you had to do was ask. Ian Flynn, perfectly understanding the situation, what happened between them, doesn't matter. Just patch it up in the best way possible. Tails has a big heart. He's a big heart, especially for Sonic. Yes, that's 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 the that's my character. That's that's my character. All is forgiven. Sonic Sonic may not be perfect, but Tails knows that, and he loves him regardless. That's that's some good stuff right there. And now, with all things patched up together, a little bit of hope. Now, the three of them plan to break into Castle Mobius, take down King Shadow. As lights blare on the three of them, declaring them under arrest for treason, revealing Knuckles, he's willing to use force. That's the end of uh, of that story, and we're gonna move on to a secondary story here. This is a this is a little weird one. Not gonna admit, not necessarily in a fun way either. The plot was written by Chacon, but Ian Flynn did the dialogue and art by Axer, so. This is kind of a loose end that I didn't think need to be tied up, but Ian Flynn really is being thorough on his janitorial duties. He does it for free! Knuckles wakes up, a little groggy, from an unknown voice saying his life won't be ruined by Knuckles this time. Now this is a non-radio res moment. We move back. Station Square. We find out that the Casinoopolis will soon be open. Run by... Renfield the Rat, a character that we have not seen in a while. Arguably, we didn't need to see him again, but hey, alright, fine, you know. I'm just a passenger on the train of life. Which gets a call from the president of Station Square to the Freedom Fighters. Renfield was jailed at some point in the past, but Eggman probably set him free. Leading Sally to have the Chaotix sent on the mission, considering their uh, previous history with him. As a kid, the cops rush in. And they arrest Hare and confiscate his secret sauce. <laughs> no, not the secret sauce! Not the secret sauce. <laughs> Talk about being lost in the sauce. Oh. I hate it here. The cops, at the same time, are also raiding Happy Land. They're also taking the chili dog sauce. Well, he's kind of protesting a little bit too much. He's like, hey, hey, bro, come on, that's for my business. To which one of the cops looks at him and goes like, do, do you want to be arrested as a co-conspirator? He's like, nah, nah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, thanks. You can, you can have it. Here, here, here's a free ticket too. You know. <laughs> Meanwhile, the proprietors get their order for slot machines. Seeing Renfield revel in the situation, saying that this is just payment for his early parole. The Chaotix, in addition to Rouge, saying that she wants to tag along just to show her her sincerity in switching sides. They go to Casinoopolis to investigate, let in by an idiot security guard, saying that, oh, you're here to see Renfield? Oh, you have a meeting with him, I guess? Okay, yeah, go ahead in. But they have no idea where to start. 
you know, Rouge flirts with Knuckles just to piss off Julie Sue, but eh, eh, don't worry about it. Mighty suggests, well, you know, look where the food was, you know, considering our last incident with him. We're talking about the uh, Lemon Sundruck dandelion incident, of course. So Knuckles tells everyone to split up and check in every few minutes. Knuckles slips into a service elevator, finding the foreman, who name-drops Eggman, leading him to go berserk. He launches towards him. Meanwhile, people start to get letting in. Mighty, still on the food theory, goes to check out the bar, gets a chili dog. A very stupid move to just eat it, considering what happened last time. But it's clean. It's fine. But Knuckles hasn't been checked in on a while. Julie Sue says, I think we should change tactics. Remind me, remind me very briefly, weren't the chili dogs, like, fucking drugged the fuck up last time? Yup, absolutely. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, for Mighty to just say, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to take another trip. <laughs> Mighty, Mighty hitting you with the, yeah, dog, I'm out. So, Knuckles punches the foreman, realizes that upon hearing a clang from a punch, he's no flesh and blood. This is one of Eggman's robots, huh? And knocks out Knuckles with a laser blast, calling Renfield that he has one of the chaotics. As Rouge asks Mighty, what, what did your investigation lead to? Not some of the food, it's clean, but he sees that the slot machines are doing the damage this time, hypnotizing everyone around them, including Vector as well, who checked them out. So Knuckles wakes up. We're catching up to the beginning of the story. The voice being Renfield, showing them footage of Vector, Espio, and Rouge, saying they've now been scanned. He's collecting data, which will be used for Eggman's newest auto-automation line, the Infiltrators. He notices that there's some people missing. Where are the other two Chaotix members, Mighty and Julie Sue? As she pops in, gun to the fucking face and electrocutes him. She says, look, I pulled the plug here, buddy. No data's being sent to Eggman. Renfield's like, ah, oh, man, he's gonna be pissed. But whatever, it doesn't matter. I still have an army of robots, which uh, he would've if Mighty didn't scrap it into a nice giant Katamari. And Renfield's arrested. President says he'll stand trial in Station Square, and thanks to the Chaotix for solving the case. That's a nice one and done on arguably something that wasn't necessary, but whatever. Yeah, it's fine. I didn't have a lot to say because there wasn't much to say. 167, boys. Whew. So, Flynn Yardley, creative team on this story. Lane Daw is uh, gloating to Dimitri, her son rooting in earshot. Dude. I got Knuckles to arrest his daughter and his friends. This is fucking sick, dude. I got what I always wanted. I got to fuck with the line of Edmund. Masterfully. As Dimitri fucking says, Yo, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're fucking sick. Bro, I love... Okay, can we just talk about the fact that Linda literally took the first chance she fucking could to fucking cock Knuckles and simultaneously get to brag to Dimitri about it. Like, what? Like, what a little, what a fucking asshole, dude. And he, and Dimitri, the only voice of reason is just like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Dimitri, Dimitri, the genocidal techno-Nazi saying, bro, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Quote, I have not been so ashamed of my own bloodline since I worked with Phanidivis. But Leyenda does not give a shit at all. This is the way things are, and the only three who can change it are locked away. We move to the catacombs. Laura, Sue, and Sonic and Tails 
locked up next to Rotor, who's uh, who's depressed a little bit. He knows what's going to come about to Sonic and Tails, you know, when King ha- Shadow comes in and gets a hold of them. Which leads for Knuckles to come in, saying that I'm... Uh, Sonic and Tails, I'm not surprised that you fucking insane lunatics would wind up in here. But, my own daughter? Leading Laura Sue to just scream at Knuckles, No, I don't regret this for a single fucking second, Dad. No, this is wrong. I'm not going to apologize for anything. As Knuckles says with a smirk, I couldn't be more prouder of you, honey. As he clicks the the, uh, chains off and the four of them are freed. Alright, let me read out the dialogue here because it's very funny. Tails. Wait, you planned this all along? Knuckles, of course we did. Did you really think I'd arrest you for real? Sonic. Miles and Laura Sue? Nah. Me? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's known what he's done. Yeah, he's he's a smug little fuck. Even in his age. Yeah, even even in his boomer age. <laughs> the plan now. Tails, hack into the castle systems to give him a clear path and also to separate Sally from Shadow. You know, we have to leave the monarchy somewhat stable here. <laughs> so, Sonic and Knuckles with a clear path to King Shadow. Knuckles also asking Laura Sue, take Rotor to the hospital. Your role as guardian, put the people first. Starting with Rotor. What a good dad! Good dad! Good guy Knuckles! We're a fan of this. D- Knuckles is trying to make sure that he isn't locked. We're a fan. We're a fan of this. Hell yeah. So then, they barge into the throne room as Tail shuts down the security system. We then see Shadow and Sally sitting on the throne, with Knuckles asking Sally, Your Highness, just come with me. I'll explain everything. Shadow expected King Sonic to return. Quote, No lost love, my queen leading her to understand that Shadow knows about the other timeline. Him saying, yeah, Lanedaw filled me in on it. And besides, how wouldn't I? I am the master of time and space due to chaos control. And Sally's escorted by Knuckles. Sonic and Shadow stand alone. Sonic lunges in with Shadow easily dodging, sneering at him. He drapes off his cape, homing attacks Sonic. Quote, you are old, past your prime. I am the ultimate life form. I never age. You were barely a challenge 25 years ago. Today, you are nothing. With a kick and a punch, Sonic is downed. Wow. Uh, that's, that's, that's a lot. lot. That's, that's a, lot. a lot. We we don't really get to see scenarios like that uh, that often. But um, who boy. Oh, boy. Ian Flint's popping off. Uh, a little, yes. uh, a little extra lemon scent in the in the moisturizer. Why did I say that? Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, but then as Sonic is down and out, Laura Sue swoops in, screaming, "Why don't you pick on someone your own age?" The two engage, and Laura Sue is goading Shadow. Shouldn't the ultimate life form have beaten me by now? Shadow says, "Ah, you have your father's arrogance." But I control the power of chaos, hands surrounded by a green aura, with Laura Sue peering out from her glasses, does the exact same thing. Join the club, buddy. And the two fling chaos spears at each other, as Laura Sue chants to call's prayer, the servers are the seven chaos and all. And with Laura Sue now juiced up, she induces chaos control on Shadow, freezing him in place. He's done. That's all it took. You see Ian Flynn with his broom just just sweep sweep it away. (laughs) 
Sonic wombles up saying, uh, how long's that gonna last for? She says she doesn't know, but, uh, I think my, uh, great, 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 great grandkids probably won't have to worry about him. And Knuckles barges in, seeing his daughter burnt a little, eh, but he's fine. She's fine. Uh, Knuckles knows, uh, your mom is gonna kill me when she sees that this happened, but she'll be very proud of you. And the two walk away as Sonic and Sally are reunited and go to her private quarters. Knuckles explained everything to be Sonic, and it sounded just so fantastic, but I believe him. Believe everything. I felt for a long time something was wrong. She says that she only married Shadow basically for political reasons, wanting to just bring stability to the planet to tame him, in her words. And she insists, I never loved him, Sonic. Of Greece figured that that was the case. So, what now, Sally? Sally says, well, I remember a young love that I had in the past. And the two rekindle their feelings. Ending the story clean. And Sonic, not wanting to be too forward about it, but just says, hey, Sally, you ever thought about having kids? End of story. End of Mobius 25 years later. Yes, it is a very odd end with that being the last line, but it's not... We're done. We're done here. We're done with Mobius 25 years later. For now. Okay, so all I'm gonna say is, uh, he does it for free! <laughs> I mean, yeah, this story is essentially clean up for whatever the fuck the mess Ian Flint, uh, not Ian Flint, uh, Ken Penders brought into this world. Thank you for your service, Ian. Thank you for your service. We have a short story be here. Chacon wrote it and enacted the art, so... Not to anything special, I'll make it real fast. Basically, Sonic is literally living out the movie Groundhog Day. They're doing like a repeat birthday party after his last one was trashed. He gets up a little late. The radio is just saying, oh, you know, Sonic's late birthday party, but like he's not here. Where is he? As he's brushing his teeth and he goes, oh shit, I set the alarm late. And he's running out, but sees paparazzi. He like trips on a rock and lands face first and goes black. He wakes up to that same morning. And a couple repeats of this go about one time leading, uh, what was it? He goes out the back door to, uh, get trashed, hits a cart face first, wakes up again. And then in this next loop, literally does not want to bother with the paparazzi, leading the paparazzi to scale his house into the dome light. The weight crashes, leading him and all of the other, uh, uh, paparazzi to be sent to the hospital another loop but this time he wakes up a couple hours early and just to make sure he's not late goes to the uh, park as they're all still setting up for his party that's the end of 167 folks <sighs> okay so we're here we're here the the office is now looking a little nice and shiny now i think like, what do you mean? The oh, janitorial. Are you talking about, yeah, yeah, the Janitor janitorial. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's looking a lot cleaner. Um, but the most important and best is for last. We have a lot to talk about. Oh, yes, we do. Sonic the Hedgehog number 168. Flynn and Yardley, the creative team. I, I wanted to point out the cover of Sonic holding the broken test tube for this for some reason, is very nostalgic to me. I think this may be my memory of the Sonic comics is, is beginning around here. So, Sonic comes into the lab looking for Tommy. Sonic says he borrowed my guitar and then just bolted out of nowhere. 
Tails and Rotor says, oh yeah, hopefully Tommy's not anywhere near here. He trashed my work and then washed Rotor's dirty Petri dishes and also destroyed the Nanite research. Rotor says, yeah, this guy's been acting up real fucking mad since the Nanites bonded with his shell. And I'm willing to give him a pass for his weirdness, you know, since he saved my life way back when. <laughs> Ech. And meanwhile, Eggman talks to Adam, saying he thinks he's come up with a way to defeat this anonymous individual, which leads him to delete Adam from his systems. Adam says, what are you talking about, father? Well, you don't make any sense. But Eggman says, no. No, I'm making perfect sense. I should have been suspicious when you brought the roboticized Destructics inside. They were just cheap robot replicas at the end of the day. And I should have realized that the video from their systems was fake from the beginning. All the while, all the things Adam, he claimed uh, Anonymous was behind, such as the Nanite City, the Egg Grape situation, and the dimensional rift that killed the Ancient Walkers. Eggman thinks that Adam has to do with this, because he saw on the monitors... Adam stealing Mogul's Chaos Emerald and releasing him, along with the false information that led to the destruction of Mecha and the Metal Sonic Troopers marching on him. So, all this information leads Eggman to conclude Anonymous is Adam. And, deletion complete, mourns the loss of his children. Oh well, so sad. Or so he thinks! So he thinks. Because, because, well... Let's just say, uh, you guys remember Tommy, right? Yeah, he fucked up really hard when he bonded those nanites to his shell. As Adam's voice comes from behind, saying, Well, I managed to download myself into one last place you couldn't reach. The nanites, which bonded to the shell of Tommy Turtle, now overshadowing his physical form, holding Eggman in his claws. Meanwhile, in the Freedom Fighter HQ, Nicole notes of the Nanite infestation attempting to purge as Bunny hobbles in, her roboticized arm stretching to break the screen Nicole was in, screaming that she's sorry, I'm not in control of my robotic parts, punches Tails out in the process and is begging for them to help. Knuckles and Vector pin her down as Rotor disconnects her robotic limbs for the time being. Which I also want to say, here's a very important character note. We see her holding tears back because in the past, in like pretty early-ish issues, we've noted that Bunny's biggest fear would be her losing control of her robotic parts and being forced to fight against her friends. So, Ian, this is a very, very good character continuation here. Yeah, it's it's nice that Ian, um, you know, in his, in his great attention to detail as he usually does, really remembered that fear and brought it back and kind of manifested it. It's it's cool. Now they're wondering, hey, where's Tails? As you know, Rotor calms Bunny down. We're going to fix you guys. Don't you worry about it. But again, where is Tails? And Bunny's like, yeah, he's probably outside. I knocked him out pretty bad, man. So they look out and they see Sonic's dad, Jules. Remember, he's still a Robian. Carrying away Tails' unconscious body, saying, I'm sorry, son, I'm not in control of my body right now. Uh, just, please, it's a struggle to even speak. I'm sorry. And Sonic starts to follow his dad. No one's obviously willing to fight him. But Jules just warns Sonic, don't, don't follow me too closely, I could be taking you to a trap. And Sonic says, well, where are you at least taking Tails? 
He just says, I can't say. I'm not allowed to. But it's somewhere you've been before. We move then to the Nanite City. Shadow rushes to Eggman, complaining, You sent me to hunt for Mogul and Nagus. Why the fuck did you call me back here? To which Adam reveals himself, holding Eggman hostage, leading him to attempt to grab Shadow, calling him the final piece of the puzzle. Adam overpowers Shadow. He realizes that that's the voice of Adam, but not the body. And he gloats, yeah, I overshadowed Tommy. You know, Ben now, as a result of me influencing him, he's the most powerful Mobian alive, even suppressing the ultimate life form. And with a whap, Shadow knocked out cold. He places his body into a chamber and begins to uh, explain his plan to Eggman, saying that with his technology, I've scanned the universe and I've found there are seven different variations of the Chaos Emeralds all around the universe. Just think of all those magical gemstones with their unlimited power. And for his plan to work, Adam needs two special Mobians, the ultimate life form, in his super spate for a super chaos control, and Turbo Tails, the chosen one, just as when Jules brings his body to Adam. And Adam delicately places Tails' body into another chamber saying, before I took Mobile's Chaos Emerald, he told me about the Great Prophecy, and that the Chosen One was supposed to be the catalyst to bring about all the Chaos Emeralds in the universe and unify them, bringing about the Great Harmony. So that was a hell of an exposition dump. Oh, okay. So let's, 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 let's talk about this for a second. Mm -hmm. This is really cool. Because, I mean, look, you kind of knew that Adam was anonymous for a very long time if you had any real... Paying attention skills? Yes. Yes. But the way that he set the stage, using every incident as another way to further his plans, as another way to, to, to set himself up, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so cool. And, like, that's what I mean when I say Ian Flynn has to do Janny duty. He takes this nonsense and then crafts a coherent narrative out of it. Like, Masterfully as well. Yeah, it's really, really well done. I'm a big fan of this. I, I don't have a lot more to say other than it's really cool. And keep in mind, this is Ian Flynn baby-faced fresh out of college. He is doing wonders. Yeah, he really is. And now, with Tails in the chamber, all the pieces are in place. He had this nanite city built to hide this summoning spire. Have Shadow busy on a fest quest till Adam needed him. And using Tommy as an inside agent to get close to the Freedom Fighters, specifically Tails. So Jules, in anger, says he will not get away with it. Yeah, yeah, whatever, dude. I know through you, Sonic's in the city, being cautious for a trap that does not exist. And I also know, Eggman, that you summoned your egg fleet. But it won't matter after this point. And with seven Chaos Emeralds in the machine already, it starts. Shadow and Tails are shocked away with the energy being forced into their super states. And the Spire beginning to act as a beacon for all the Chaos Emeralds in existence to gather there. So that's the, uh, that's, that's where we're gonna stop with that story. There's a secondary story, which I think Writing-wise, is very prominent for a character that we all know and love, Antoine. The art, though, is uh, 
little questionable. Ah, yeah. Not a big fan of the art here. It's um very questionable. So, uh, Ian Flynn wrote obviously, and this uh, the artist in question, Gary Bedell. I I did a little research. The man does not have much credits outside of the Sonic comics. The only other work I could find was a comic called Piecemeal he made in 2020. That's it. Weird. We see Antoine rummaging through his stuff in the aftermath of dealing with Patch. He's cleaning up his space after Patch trashed it, of course, as Bunny comes in to check on him. You know, happy that at least their relationship was the easiest thing to clean up. Antoine says that the time he spent with the anti-freedom fighters made him realize that they weren't evil per se, just sad individuals. He has their pity, but not his forgiveness, he said. Very important distinction. It's a little hard to be happy in this squalor. Bunny offers that he stay in her place for the time being, but uh, out of respect for her, says that, well, I figured I should at least propose marriage to you before living with you, but hey, hey. But before he can continue, Sonic comes in to warn Antoine about his dad. The doctor says he's not doing so hot, Antoine. I think you should go see him as soon as possible. Antoine and Bunny leave together. And Sonic uh, empathizes with him a lot, saying, I can't imagine having to lose my dad twice, man. The two get to the hospital. Quack says Antoine's dad was poisoned. A kind of poison that I've never seen before. I assume it's something unique to Anti-Mobius. I, unfortunately, I can't do much. The king received a similar kind of poison, but in a much lesser dosage. I think your dad got it over time, probably laced in his food. And Antoine and Bunny just go inside as Quack just mourns for what's about to happen. And Antoine sees his father bedridden, even just saying to Antoine, My son, I'm sorry I have to leave you now. And... Antoine kind of gives this like heart-wrenching speech to his dad saying, I'm sorry I haven't lived up to the family name. I- I'm such a coward. I've, I- I- I've broken the Freedom Fighters up because of my jealousy so many times. I'm so sorry. Can you please forgive me? As his dad rejects everything Antoine says. He just says, son, what are you talking about? You bravely fought with your friends against Eggman when there's no one else left to do so. You held the team together despite your jealousy, and you served a king and country when it was just a mere memory. And you even won the heart of a beautiful warrior. That's not a failure in my eyes. And I'm not going to lie, that moment kind of gave me some feels, man. That was that was real fucking good. Ian Flynn, thank you. I think um, it's important to remember that, um, you know, Antoine... This is such a seminal moment for his character because it it's it says so much about who he is, despite the character flaws, despite the problems, despite the cowardice. Right, mm-hmm. that deep down he's been fighting this whole time, and that he won the heart of someone like Bunny through everything. Antoine may be a bit of a fuck up, but he cares and he tries and. He's been a huge part of the story for so long. This, this is how you recontextualize a character in their relationship. And it's, it's, it's so good. Talking to Bunny, she says, you, you fight Eggman for your very soul. And Antoine fights with the same courage. I think you two are great together. 
And she even mentions, like, yeah, but what about the little like situation with Sonic? Like, how can... Uh... And Antoine's like, eh, doesn't matter. All's fair in love and war. And the general says, you two both make each other very happy. Don't let it go. Love is very rare. Don't you give it up. And his final words to Antoine, I'll tell your mother how happy you two are. As he passes calmly and peacefully. Bunny only saying to Antoine that she loves him as he mourns. And the story ends in dedication to Ian's grandmother. Right here. That's where it's got me. Right here. Right in the heart, man. I'm kind of fucked up. Kind of kind of fucked up. Got, got me fucked up. Hold on. Uh... And now, let's finish off with the final comic today. The uh, last sweep of uh, Flynn's janitorial duties, if you will. Ian Flynn wrote, Yardley did the art. Sonic 169. Sonic sees his dad's body on the ground. He says that Adam freed him from his control just to go fuck off and self-destruct. But there's no deadline. He just figures, uh, I'll fall apart in like 40 years or something. <sighs> Leading Sonic to just rush in, says, eh, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll save the world before that, dad. <laughs> Very cute. cute. Very cute moment. And he gets his, wants to go and get his friends back from Adam. In the meantime, we see Chaos Emeralds being summoned to the Spire, the green emeralds coming from all across Mobius, cyan emeralds from the planet Wheat, blue emeralds from the Zorda homeworld. Adam knowing all this because he's now been linked to the Spire. The emeralds are talking to him, he says. Red emeralds from the planet Thoraxia, purple pl- emeralds from the destroyed planet of Targosa 6. The star that Eve threw herself into dies out as its fuel leaves it, the yellow chaos emeralds. And finally, the Grey Chaos Emeralds from the planet Argentium. This is, I think, the biggest janitorial duty Ian Flynn has to cover up. Because remember how uh, the Chaos Emeralds in this cabin are tens of thousands? Now we see them being literally uncountable? Yeah, um, this is something that I think is very smart. Uh, this is, like, akin to, like, a Crisis on Infinite's Earth kind of moment. Uh, except with the Chaos Emeralds, which are insanely powerful. I mean, it's very clear what's about to happen oh, at yeah. some point, and they're all just, it's just gonna become seven core Giga Emeralds that are like the Chaos Emeralds. But like, yeah, this is big janitorial duty stuff. He has to get this cleaned up. With Turbo Tails and Super Shadow as living lightning rods, Adam has successfully summoned every Chaos Emerald in the universe, an uncountable amount circling the spire. All but one, actually. The Master Emerald holding the Angel Island afloat is the missing one, which we then see Locke and Finitivus holding the Master Emerald down with their chaos powers, chanting to call's prayer, Locke encouraging Finitivus to continue, him pushing Locke to just concentrate. I will not let the Emerald go. I've got my own plans for it. So if you're probably wondering, hey, why is Finitivus there with Locke? We'll get to that. Good question. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So Sonic barges to Adam, and he says, Ah, Sonic, we've been expecting you. Noting Tommy is still very much in consciousness within the shell, just like Sonic's dad was in control. Adam's also doing this, you know, this whole cockamamie scheme for the love of his father, Eggman. To which Eggman hands waves and says, Dude, this is fucking insane. What the hell are you doing? 
which <laughs> leads Sonic to rush in. Rapid kick move to Adam's head. Is about to finish him off, but Adam unmasks the head, revealing Tommy, knowing full well Sonic could not fight his friend, and is knocked out as a result. Eggman helps Sonic up, saying, listen, my fleet's en route. I can bring out the heavy-duty artillery to just finish him off. And Sonic says, no, I'm not going to let my friend meet a fate like that. And he rushes back in just to kick it up a notch. Adam generates a jetpack flying up with Sonic as he runs up the spire. And he, surrounded by limitless, countless chaos emeralds, instantly transforms into Super Sonic. Juiced up and ready to go, calls out to, uh, to Adam saying he's ready to rip off every single nanite off Tommy as he sees Adam charged up in his own super state ready to fight. And honestly, his design kind of fucks. Does look a little bit like Solaris, but that's just a coincidence, I hope. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a coincidence. It looks like Solaris, but uh, it's dope. It's dope. It's dope. Eggman, upon seeing this, breaks open the chambers holding Super Shadow and Turbo Tails, tells them to get into the fight. So Tails just reaches out to Shadow, saying, I know what must be done. These Chaos Emeralds all being here are way too dangerous. They must be kept in a safer place. And the two fly up. Tails asking Shadow, can you open a door to the nearest zone? Not Dimension per se, you know, but Shadow's like, say no more, fam. He does a super Chaos Control. Rips open a portal into the universe to the Zone of Silence. And Shadow keeps it open and Tails chants to finish the prophecy he thought he already did. The beginning of the Great Harmony. And my man Tails is just doing some Doctor Strange shit. Shoving all the Chaos Emeralds into this portal and induces the Great Harmony. Unifying the tens of hundreds of thousands of Chaos Emeralds. Into only seven. Shadow asks, hey, what's going to happen to the Zone of Silence after this? Something special, I hope. I gotta say this right now. This is so fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. The fact that, oh, now it's like, okay, so now we're making the fucking, like, weird grand prophecy actually dope. And having Shadow help with him. It's, I, I just, I can't. It's perfect. It's so You good. know what it is, guys? It's, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, Kino. Kino. The Great Harmony is done. The Chaos Emeralds are out of Adam's reach. It's over, Sonic says. And with the Egg Fleet approaching, Adam stays in his super form. I am invincible. But Tommy manages to wrestle control from him, wanting to see Sonic. And says, I'm sorry, Sonic, I'm sorry for everything. And I'm especially sorry for what's about to happen next. Adam will regain control any minute now. And he must be destroyed so the Nanite's connection can sever. And flies toward the Egg Fleet. Sonic screaming to him. Please, like, don't do this. Don't do this, Tommy. And Tommy just says, listen, Sonic. You gave me a second chance at life. And now I think it's time to pay it back. And Eggman, on the ground, orders the cannons to fire. Tails panicking. And Shadow nonplussed behind Eggman. And Tommy takes the direct hit. Eviscerated. Literally dust in the wind. As Sonic depowers only catching his ashes. And Eggman in response just says, well, this whole thing was a waste of fucking time. So much for family. As so And Shadow has him come along with him as Tails is just bawling 
for Tommy. And Sonic floats down. Eggman just calls it a day. Sonic, fuck off. I'm too tired to deal with you. Have fun. Whatever. And with Tails, Sonic lets Tommy's ashes scatter to the wind. Tommy was the bravest freedom fighter of us all, sacrificing himself to take out Adam. And as the moon rises, Sonic tells Tails, we just gotta get my dad back home, buddy. So now, a very, very large sweep up. I I think uh, Ian Flynn found a body under the sofa, goddamn. Yeah, for real, that was intense. Not only fixing, like, the greatest error in this canon of the multitude of Chaos Emeralds, but also removing a character that was not liked in the, uh, in the franchise of Tommy Turtle. Ian Flynn, you did your duty. He's doing it for free. And, who fucking boy, okay. The final story. Story B. Writing done by Ian Flynn. Art by Ken Penders. Hit the deck! It's not a fucking What the fuck? Why are you here? Oh god, my green screen! So, if you're probably wondering, what the fuck happened? What do you mean, art by Ken Penders? It'll be explained in a minute. Just just bear with me, okay? Just bear with me. We open on Vector at Freedom Fighter HQ. He's calling in Mighty and Ray, getting in touch with Espio. Those two are standing by as Espio's rushing into the Golden Hive Castle, the former home of Charmy's Bee Colony, now overtaken by Eggman. Espio charges in, ambushing an egg pond, asking where the main computer is. Fifth level, third door, but it's heavily guarded. But Espio's like, eh. Let me worry about it as he takes it out. And he sneaks in, finds the computer room. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa, dude. Whoa, dude. Whoa, dude. I I can't believe it. He found the computer room. Finding an egg pond playing solitaire on it, takes it out and pulls out Nicole to hack into it. And while she's doing that, Espio wonders, hey... Why did Eggman program his robots to feel fear? Doesn't exactly serve a purpose, does it? And she just disagrees. Without Snively around, Eggman probably programmed his robots to feel fear. You know, to fill the void in his life, you know? But Nicole's in, looking for data about what happened to Charmy's people. She reports, no records for anyone captured or otherwise, but there are video files on the initial invasion. And those who weren't captured, ran. The kingdom scattered. The Golden Hive colony is lost. So Espio, taken out a shuriken, says, Well, if Charmy can't have his home, Eggman won't have it either. Nicole, access the power matrix, overload it, and disable warning sensors. Lock down the complex, but leave an escape route. And Nicole's just like, Bro, what the fuck? Why? All he's saying is, Don't worry. There's a good reason for this. So... Throws a star up, pockets Nicole, and tongue whips his way up and out. And Mighty and Ray see the palace explode, fearing for Espio, but he just pops up. I'm fine. I'm a little charred, but fine. And Nicole got all the data downloaded so we can just look at it back at HQ. Mighty asks, well, what exactly happened? Quote, Eggman hurt Charmy? I heard him back. And Mighty just understands, well, anything for a friend. That's the end of the story, and now to answer the burning question. Why the fuck is Ken Penders here? What the fuck? Well, sadly, folks, I don't have an answer. I don't. Ian Flynn was recently asked on his podcast, uh, how exactly this, this situation happened. Unfortunately, it's been so long, he just forgot the details. It's, I, he couldn't say. Personally... I theorize that what happened, that this is a story that Ken Penders originally wrote and did the art for, 
and was tabled for later before he quit. So the uh, the 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 Almighty asked for some janitorial duties, put the script in on uh, Ian Flynn's lap, and said, "Hey, buddy, can you do us a solid? I can't read this. This is ugly. Can you like rewrite it? Like rewrite it enough so that like we can credit you as the writer. We can. We're unfortunately gonna have to reuse the art, but like, yeah, thanks, buddy." And regardless, though, this is the last time we're going to see Offenders. I promise. I swear to you this time. But that's the end of Sonic 169. It's the end of all the comics I've got for you today. And what a welcome, very welcome form of Archie Sonic. There's so much Janny duty, but it was all very much worth it. Um, Good. Good stuff, folks. Good stuff. Ian Flynn, he hit the ground running. The office is looking nice and clean here, buddy. So, yeah, I think, I think everything just kind of speaks for itself, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. So, I believe that's where we're going to end it off for uh, the Archie Sonic Digest today. We'll be back next time, and we're, now that the office is looking nice and clean, uh, we're going to see what Ian Flynn's really capable of, folks. And remember, 175 is just around the corner, and oh boy, is it a comic. Oh boy, do we have uh do we have something? a fucking show for you next time. Bye folks. See you then. Bye-bye.